In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos Podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos season finale podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB as we tie a double blue bow on the 2022 season. And, uh, you know, as well as it being our last podcast of the season, we've still got some news and notes to get to. We've got our annual address to the commissioner. We've got free agents that are must sign players for the Toronto Argonauts or must re-sign players, rather, for the Toronto Argonauts. We've got a star to look forward to in 2023, the QB situation, and, of course, our world-famous X's and Argos Awards. All that and more is coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. Usually, our first segment of this season finale episode is, was the season a success or failure? JB, I don't feel like we need to spend a ton of time on this. Agree that this was a... <laughs> A successful season, winning the Grey Cup? Yeah, highly successful. I, I feel that, uh, you know, uh, I mean, honestly, I feel like uh, we we felt it would be successful, and it was. I was wondering what would be, like, where could where could the Argos have gotten to where we would still have deemed it a success? Because back in, in April, we both said the Argos were going to win the Grey Cup. Falling short of that, in my mind, was fine, but I, I felt like they had to get to the Grey Cup. I think anything short of getting to the Grey Cup would have been seen as a failure this season, with almost the entire team coming back from last year. No, I, I think that's why we, we we were so confident. The East was, you know, not particularly strong, and we had a lot of talent coming back. I, I, I don't think it would have been a success had we not made the Grey Cup. And I, I know it feels like a a high bar, but you know, the year before set the bar there. You know, um, it was it was a lot of talent on, and they signed great free agents. You know, they really did a fantastic job of uh, adjusting to to what they were missing the year before, and the guys they brought in were all game changing guys. Really, like each of them responsible for at least one victory just by themselves. Yeah, that's, that's actually a pretty good point. And and it's so hard in the CFL. Continuity has been tough for CFL teams. And you see what Winnipeg is doing today, you know, bringing a lot of their core pieces back. And that's one of the reasons they've been successful year after year for a little while now. And the Argos had that advantage this season. They had so many guys coming back in. Like Winnipeg, as much as they were able to keep their core together, they still did lose you know, some, some really talented players. Uh, their receiving core had to be remade, even though I guess the, 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 the heartbeat of that team was still the same. And Toronto last year really didn't lose many players at all. And instead, as you said, added some, some key free agents. That's going to be the test this year. And when we start going into free agency, like in our February episodes and looking at the, the free agent frenzy, it, it's going to be interesting because unlike most CFL teams last year, the Argos had, had pretty much everybody coming back. But this year, Almost, almost, uh, almost everybody is up. The defense, especially, you know, every every linebacker they they had starting this year is has got to be renegotiated or may retire or who knows what. And so, uh, you know, this is going to be a, a really tough repeat 
uh, for the Argos. But that's what made this year so important. This was their best chance. They had stability, not so much in like there was turnover in the coaching staff, but they had so much stability uh, within within the players. And and I think that that's something that just doesn't happen a lot in the CFL. No, and and will not happen. You know, next year's next year's Argos will look very different from this team. There was some interesting news this week that we heard from Ryan Dinwiddie in addressing the media. He he told some stories that we hadn't heard before. So the most interesting I found was that he very nearly wasn't in the CFL in 2018, that he had an opportunity to join the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as quality control coach in 2018. And the reason that he ended up Staying away from that is that there was a, a pretty good likelihood that there was going to be a full turnover of that staff following that season. And he didn't want to be in a scenario where after one year he had nothing. And so ended up staying with a, a more sure thing in building, which turned out to be a great decision. Not only did he end up with a head coaching position just a little while after that, but he's now a Grey Cup champion winning coach. Uh, what struck you about what struck you about this story and this this revelation? Um, well, I think he was right. I think it shows that he's, you know, pretty, pretty astute. It was clearly that that group of coaches were uh, not very good and were on the way out. Uh, but it does, to me, raise a question. He, you know, he's a guy with real NFL connections um, in terms of there being NFL head coaches. Will Will he get offered an NFL position. Is that something I don't think that's, it wouldn't shock me if um, there were conversations about him joining a staff. Yeah. It's interesting when you look at, and we've talked about this before, but that, that quarterback room, everybody behind Kevin Glenn, the, uh, the, the trio of them that all basically knew while they were there as quarterbacks, that they all wanted to go into coaching. They talked openly about that. And, you know, having talked to Kit Cartwright, too, who was their their quarterback coach, uh, I guess it was about a year and a half ago. Um, just such an interesting room with so much football intelligence in there. And you've got some success that we've obviously seen with Cliff Kingsbury, obviously the head coach in in Arizona. And he's been a little bit up and down, but is, is generally regarded as a bright young coach. And you've got Zach Taylor, who took his team to the Super Bowl last year. And Coach Dinwiddie, who won the Grey Cup this year. That is a that is a pretty nice uh, trio of backup quarterbacks who all did well. But yeah, you have to wonder if he might look to look to one of those guys, look to one of his, his former backups uh, to see at some point if there may be an opportunity because he's certainly proven that he is a very gifted uh, head coach and a very gifted positional coach and a gifted play caller at that so with all three of those check marks i i don't i don't think it's going to be long before there are knocks at the door for coach dimity and it's something i hadn't really thought about until i started listening to him talk about this story and that that made me, it concerns the wrong word, because I, I hope it happens for him. I really want to see him get an NFL job, because it means it means more money, it's more success, it's it's everything that, that he deserves. But from a Toronto Argonauts standpoint, that's that makes me a bit nervous. The Grey Cup celebration, you had, you know, you had them at the Leafs game, the Raptors game, celebrating with Drake, which was, was awesome. That was probably... 
that might have been my favorite moment because you saw them sort of almost as kids in a way because they, you know, Drake is is such a high level celebrity and to see him there kind of, uh, you know, partying with them on, on the court with the Grey Cup and everything else. I thought that was really cool um, because they are obviously Drake fans as well. Uh, that that was kind of a neat thing. And it reminded me of, of a conversation you and I had years ago where we were looking for a sort of celebrity <laughs> endorsement for the Argos. Yeah, we were looking for the Argos Drake. But turns out the Argos Drake could just be Drake, maybe. But that was pretty cool. And then it, uh, of course, culminated with the Grey Cup celebration at Maple Leaf Square, uh, which was an amazing, amazing event. You had a, a terrific turnout. I was nervous about that. And I shouldn't have been because I should know better than that. As much as the Argos may have struggled in terms of league-wide numbers for attendance, there is such a solid fan base uh, that we talked about that that 11,000 that show up no matter what to every game at BMO Field those are such diehards diehards to the level that you don't even have in other CFL cities and of course that's the core of the group that's going to show up and that's they had a great turnout for uh, the Maple Leaf Square celebration that place was packed and there were so many kids in attendance too which was awesome to see so all in all I thought that that event was amazing. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was just to see the emotion of the players and the speeches that were made. Uh, it was it was fantastic. And so to be able to share that with all the fans, because not everyone was able to make it out to Regina, I thought was really cool. It's time for our annual address to the commissioner. And JB, we've we've had we've had some years and some episodes where we've requested many different changes, things to be done completely differently. And I wouldn't say we necessarily see eye to eye with Commissioner Ambrosi on everything. But for the most part, we don't have anything radical for this season to suggest. We liked, I think, all of the rule changes that were made for this season, including the hash marks, which I actually thought went very well. And we think the game is pretty much at a, a place that that we like it right now. But there are a couple things we do want to tweak a little bit, starting with roster size. So what are you looking at when when we talk about making adjustments to the roster? Well, I, I'd mentioned before, I thought that one minor tweak I would make is come the Grey Cup final, you know, the roster should increase to 50. I, I don't think you should have to make... Um, decisions between the final guys on the bubble for the Grey Cup final. I understand during the season, you know, you have you have restrictions. But for me, at the final, um, you should be able to add those players. And both teams can do it. It doesn't give a competitive advantage. Uh, but it is really tough because it ends up squeezing out players at the bottom of the roster who, you know, might have family coming or you know, are unsure if they're going to play right up until they finally announce the roster. And I, I just don't think there's any need at the scale the CFL is. I don't think there's any need to have that kind of last second reveal, um, you know, crushing a player's hopes of being in the finals. So I think to me, that's an easy one game exemption. In terms of rule changes, there was only really one that we felt like uh, needed to change a little bit. We started looking at, you know, quarterback sneaks and and how what a large percentage of scoring plays were occurring uh, on quarterback sneaks from the one. And it, it just seemed to be it seemed to be pretty outrageous. And you look at you look at the 
the leading touchdown getters in the CFL this year for rushing touchdowns. And you've got at the top, this is the top of the list, Caleb Evans, Dominic Davis, uh, a little ways down. We've got, uh, we got Tommy Stevens. We got Cody Fajardo. These are who are scoring touchdowns and they're from, they're from a yard out. And I think that takes away a really exciting element of the game. Touchdowns should be the most exciting thing to happen in a game. And there's nothing less exciting than a quarterback sneak. It's a, it's a boring football play. And I don't think we can eliminate quarterback sneaks from regular gameplay. But I do like the idea, and this wasn't our idea. It was proposed by a number of other people before us. But we really like the idea of the ball coming back out to the two. If a play ends at the inside the two yard line or at the one yard line or an inch away from the end zone, no matter where it is, if it's not a touchdown, it comes back to the two. And that's where the next snap occurs from. I love that idea because it eliminates the quarterback sneak for a touchdown, a play that I hate. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. But this kind of crashing into the end zone for a touchdown and essentially like leaving the defense in a position that's almost untenable where even... You know, you 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 want it to be fifty fifty, but like it, the the odds are so much in the attacking team's favor, it it kind of takes all the fun out of the goal line stand. Uh, I I couldn't agree more. I think that's an easy choice. I would do that tomorrow. And the reason that it's such a big deal in the CFL is because you've got that one yard neutral zone. And so that's, that's why quarterback sneaks are so much more automatic in the CFL than the NFL. The NFL, they don't need to do it because you can be an inch away and that's still a tough quarterback sneak. That's still much closer to being a 50-50 proposition than it is in the CFL. So that's why they bring it back the full yard. So right now, currently, if you get the ball down an inch away, they bring it back to the one yard line, but that's not enough. It's got to come back to the two in my eye. You make that one rule change, I'm I'm happy. I'm all set for 2023. Yeah, I I liked I liked the rules they brought in. I liked the hash marks. Uh, we liked them when they said them, and and I thought they all worked out really well. I I wouldn't I wouldn't change. You know, you don't want to get into constantly changing. We're not the XFL. Um, I I honestly can't think of a game this year where I thought there was a stupid rule. I like the challenge rule. I like what they can challenge. Um, I like how limited it is. Um, I like the punting rule. Yeah, honestly, like I wish I had sort of more, uh, more harsher or, or more in depth analysis. But honestly, I th- I think the league is is doing a really good job. I think the NFL could definitely benefit from three or four CFL rules. Um, so yeah, I, I, with that one change that you suggested. I think I think they're good to go. Don't don't I wouldn't change it, CFL. Just leave it be. Let's talk about the must resign free agents. Mm-hmm. JB, this is this is tough. There's there's a huge list of <laughs> players who are are free agents come come the start of the new season. And it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult. It's and it's gonna be heartbreaking. There are gonna be a lot of fan favorites who I don't think are going to be back in double blue next year. Because like I said before, it's just not possible. You can't. You can't bring everybody. In a salary cap league, you cannot bring everybody back after winning a championship unless they were already under contract. Like last year, it would have been possible had they won the Grey Cup because almost the whole team was under contract. But yeah, it's just not going to happen this year. So so we looked at the three must 
re-sign free agents on both offense and defense. JB, why don't you go first with the defensive guys? You absolutely, this is priority one for the front office to bring these three guys back. Yeah, um, it's hard to say uh, who's going to actually be a free agent. Uh, I think a lot, I think a lot of Argos are probably pondering retirement. Uh, so I'm going to kind of go with guys who I think are are not going to retire and who I would love to see back. And obviously, have to start with Winton McManus. Uh, he's going to be offered a lot of money. He was probably the defensive player of the league. Um, he was absolutely uh, a game changer for the Argonauts. I I have a feeling Mwamba is going to retire. That's not really that bold a statement. So, you know, to bring McManus back to the middle of the field um, would be huge, but, they're, you know, they're going to offer him a lot of money at West. Uh, so that'll be that'll be an interesting question. But I have McManus number one. I like, <laughs> uh, I think a secret MVP of the podcast, I would bring back Shaq Richardson. He, he is, an, you know, he's a great leader for the secondary. Um, he's a great hitter. He, he brings a, a tremendous energy to the team. You can see it at practice. You can see it on game day. Um, you know, not, not blowing people away with statistics, but always in the right position, um, you know, helping everybody get in the right position. You don't realize how important a guy like that is until they're gone. You know, having somebody back there who can make sure that everybody's got the call and everybody knows where to where to be and and um, and having somebody who who plays correctly, like uh, having a coach on the field. I'm I hope they want him back. I'd, I'd love to bring him back for one more year. And if I'm going to go three defensive guys, I'm going to go a little off the charts here, but I <laughs> I want to bring back Chris Edwards. Um, I don't know if that's a feeling that um, the organization has because um, I think that there were probably some rocky times um, between them. But, you know, this is not the, uh, the knitting society or a book club. And you don't necessarily need everybody to be kumbaya. And he brings an edge that I want on my defense, and I'm I'm willing to bring back Chris Edwards, the guy who had the key play in the in the Grey Cup. Uh, you know, I I bring back Chris Edwards. That's that's what I bring back. Yeah, I love I love the flexibility of Edwards. I love him as a player too, and and you know he's he's had ups and downs. There have been moments, but yeah, both you know both he and and Shaq, you know they're they're I guess Edwards is going to be thirty next year, Shaq thirty one. But you don't really see like I, I haven't seen a decline in their nope. play. It's actually been the opposite. I feel like like with with Shaq especially, there's there's such an awareness that he's got now. And in Coach Mace's defense, it wasn't like speed was really being called on so much. They played so much so much cover four, and they're playing off the ball so much in that that bend but don't break style that you rarely saw these guys go flat out anyway. And so it, usually when you get to the above thirty numbers for for DBs, you're concerned about speed, the loss of a step. But that really, I, I think, is far less a factor. Because like, even the guys that they have, like Jamal Peters has never been like a blazing fast guy. But it doesn't really matter in this setup. That's just not how this defense is designed. They play so little like press man or, you know, put them in situations where they're just going to need to run flat out with a with a 4-4 guy. It's just not like that. So, yeah, I love those decisions. I think those three, I, I agree. I, I think... 
I think I'd probably put them in the order that you put them in, both in what I would say and in the likelihood of it actually happening. Uh, I think that's probably, you know, how it's going to go. So we'll see. But fingers crossed for for those three guys. Looking at the offensive side of the ball, number one is is easy. It's it's Curly Gittins Jr. for me. I think this is, uh, you know, absolutely has to be the the main priority for a few different reasons. One, he's he's the team's best receiver. I don't think there's really any doubt about that. Two, he's Canadian, which gives you that extra bit of roster flexibility. Teams are going to want to offer him the world and Toronto just has to, they have to match that. Number two for me is AJ Olette. I think you've got to bring AJ Olette back. I think I think most fans would be in agreement. There was just a magic with him. He he got the running game going and everyone was wondering what would happen when Andrew Harris went down. Now they're left without a star running back. How's it going to go? And in fact, the, the situation got better. And AJ Olette, all the way through the Grey Cup where he scores two touchdowns, was a, a guy that you couldn't you couldn't take off the field, even when Andrew Harris came back really fully healthy. He had made himself indispensable. There was no way you weren't going to... Like, he wasn't even dressing when Andrew Harris was dressing early in the year. He wasn't dressing for games. He was he was an afterthought. And he played so well and had such a, a heartbeat for this team that they end up starting him in the Grey Cup. He's he's the guy that gets two touchdowns. So you got to bring him back. He's priority number two. Yeah, I mean, my, one of my strongest memories of the season is um, an extremely hot summer night where we just lost to Calgary for the first time. And we went to the press conference after, and it was you and I. AJ was there, and he was waiting patiently for McLeod to finish. And he was, ju- you know, he was just standing, leaning on the table, and just empty, just gutted by the loss. Wasn't showing off for anybody. He was, you know, and I just remember being abs- just taken with how this professional athlete um, was just destroyed by the fact that they couldn't get this win. And, you know, you can't you can't fake that, you know, like there's a lot of guys, you know, they're it's a professional sport. It's not high school. It's not college. And that level of emotional commitment, I just really really stayed with me you know i just uh, had a totally different view of uh, of olette after that uh, press conference and the third guy i bring back this one this one was really tough for me I, I went back and forth with a lot of different guys and i've ended up going with a guy who may very well retire and that is philip blake and the reason he's my third guy is i i can't, i could not believe how much more valuable he proved to be this season than I thought he would be. And I was already a Philip Blake fan coming in. I, I was a, a big fan of him as a guard. I thought he was a great option in terms of being a backup center if, if something happened. And instead, he ended up being uh, an outstanding tackle to have that kind of versatility and I did not see it fade all season long I know he's up there in age we wondered about this you know a few years ago when he first signed you know, he's 37 years old right now um, he's, he's gonna be turning 38 next year you just don't see it a lot but his level of play is high he can play tackle right now at, at a, a CFL level he can play guard at a CFL level he can play center at a CFL level and I don't care what age it says he is you've got to find a way if he's not going to retire 
and and he's not like set on that, you have to find a way to bring him back. Because if you do, you 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 might already have you might already have your your lineup set for next year. You might already have a great competition in the returning guys. It's the one positional group that isn't hugely affected. You've got you've got Allen at right tackle. You've got Bladek. You will have Nicastro returning. Uh, McKellar proved that he can play. He can play guard. And so you could actually have Ryan Hunter as a left tackle. It could work out like that. But Philip Lake is so valuable that I would have him in at that left guard spot, at least to start, see what happens and know that he can go absolutely anywhere if need be. So for me, he's he's number three on my list. Yeah, totally agree. JB, let's talk about the star of 2023. It's it's fun, you know. This time last year, we made some predictions. Some some were great, some were not so great. Uh, my my favorite was yours in terms of the QB situation because last year we had no idea what it was going to be, and you said uh, you said they're going to re-sign McLeod Bethel Thompson and they're going to bring in some hotshot American quarterback. So um, you know, predictions for next year. Who is going to be the star of? 2023 maybe someone that's that's off the radar a little bit now who will shine in 2023 well my my pick is a little unusual because he's a bit of like he's a bit old um for somebody who you might suddenly determine to be a star but uh i think mark keith ambles is going to be a star next year um i i don't think the argos bring back daniels um, I think Ambles is going to move into that role. I know he's 31, so you know. It, 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 but I only need him to do it the one year. Every year he's increased his receptions. He's only been in the year for league four years. Every year he's increased his receptions. Every year he's increased the yards. Every year he's increased his touchdowns. Um, I think he's good for 100 catches, a thousand yards, and eight touchdowns next year. So. Uh, I put him right in that role. I think, you know, obviously a lot will depend on who the quarterback is and so forth. But I really think Ambles can be somebody who who steps up in that uh, in that wide receiver room to to take a more dominant role. Yeah, I would like to see him in the in the boundary slot, and they've got to bring him back first, obviously. But that's I, I think you're going to get it. I think you're going to be able to get Marquise Ambles for for a decent price with all of the free agent wide receivers there are going to be in the league this year. I, I think uh, he is going to be on a, a few teams' radars, but I think if he you're going forward with him as a potential you know go to guy. Um, you know, he and Curly Gittins Jr. together, I think, are a pretty dynamic duo, though. So, yeah, I, w- I would love to see them bring Ambles back. And I could see him being a, a star certainly next year. The guy I'm going to go with is a little bit of a risk as well. Not for age. I think this is more a traditional uh, a player we'd be looking for for this segment. But uh, because we don't know exactly what's going to happen at the position. That's uh, Jack Kassar, at middle linebacker. It could be that Enoch Mwamba comes back and then he would obviously be the middle linebacker again. I don't think there's any doubt he can play at a high level. He was, you know, he won, he won every award you could at the, at the Grey Cup. Uh, but that's also why it's the perfect time to retire. You know, he's up there in age. He just won a Grey Cup. He was named most outstanding player of the Grey Cup game and most outstanding Canadian. There is no more you can do. He has, he has now done it all. This season was the perfect. If there was any perfect time for anyone to retire, it is right now for Enoch Mwamba. 
even though he can still play at a high level. It's just the right time to go out. And he's set up, too, for for a future. I think there's interest in him uh, for front office jobs. And he, we saw that process begin a little bit last year as the Argos had him, uh, you know, in the room for a lot of those those draft interviews and things like that, because that's, I think, where he probably wants to transition. He talked about that a few years ago with us. So, you know, I, I think if he steps away, Jack Kassar is waiting right there. Do they go with him, though, or do they bring in somebody else to go in front of him? And I think if you look at Jack Kassar's play down the stretch, uh, he he was all over the field when he stepped in and, and took over at middle linebacker on the last game of the season and, and really got that full run. I think you saw flashes of it there. We saw flashes all season on special teams. And I think if there's somebody that is just going to completely not come out of the woodwork, because we've seen that those flashes, but... Not someone that's being looked at next year as a, even as a potential starter right now. I think he could come out and really impress people. So that's where I'm going to go with my star of 2023. Uh, especially if they bring McManus back. Yeah, to play as alongside Wendell McManus would be huge. It's it's a it's a really hard position to to be good at, and so it's a big ask. But I I agree. I mean, we've talked about it. I thought. You know he was a special team star this year, and um, you know if you can if you can groom your own Canadian middle linebacker, you know that's that's tremendous. What will the QB situation be in twenty twenty three, JB? This is this is a question I almost don't want to address, but we've been asked so many times because we, we don't know we like we don't have we don't have any way to answer We're, and this is all going to be speculative here but we've been asked so many times uh, on twitter and through dms what's it going to look like next year the 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 fact is we don't know we have no idea if i were if i were to guess um i would guess you know an idea that, that probably is out there uh that you would uh, hand the reins over Kelly would be your starter and you're kind of rolling with Chad Kelly as your starter. That, um, If I had to choose, that seems the likeliest to me. Uh, but it's still fraught with, you know, is, is Kelly going to get an NFL camp tryout? Is Kelly want to come back? Is he somebody you can put the franchise on? You know, he he definitely did a great job coming in and, uh, you know, moving the ball in the fourth quarter. But that's very different than being the face of the franchise. Is he ready to be the face of the franchise? Is he ready to take those hard questions when you lose a game in June? Um, you know, one thing I think people underestimated or underappreciated was just how good McLeod was in those press conferences after tough losses when things aren't going really well. Uh, that's a tough, that's a tough ask. So uh, I don't know. I, if I had to say that, that's my say. It, we're we're going to know a lot based on McLeod Bethel Thompson's decision. If McLeod wants to come back, you bring him back. He's the, he's the quarterback that he's the quarterback that won you the great cup. The, the Toronto Argonauts aren't anywhere close this season if it's not for McLeod Bethel-Thompson. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the league. It was his best season of his career. If he wants to come back, he is your quarterback for 2023. I don't think I don't think it can go any other way. And then at that point, you probably are looking to trade Chai Kelly. 
because I don't think he's going to stick around to be a backup for for another season. I just don't. I, I think I think he would choose other options, and there are other options. So I think then you look to trade him to be a starter somewhere else at that point. And I think there's there's some really good value now. What causes issues is if there is NFL interest, and usually there isn't for a player that. Uh, would be turning 29, I think, as as Chad Kelly would be next year, uh, who was in the NFL for a little bit, was a draft pick, uh, bounced around a little bit, you know, unless it's someone that like absolutely jumped off the board and, and he didn't have enough playing time to do that this year, then it just doesn't happen a lot in the NFL. But it could because of his outstanding college career, because of his lineage, it, it's possible. And he certainly would love to do that. Every quarterback would. So that's the question. If there's any way he's not going to be on the team, then that not only completely eliminates any trade value he might have, or if he decides that he would rather do something else than, than go play for X team, whatever it is, that's not Toronto. Remember, he wanted to come to Toronto. Toronto traded for his his rights because that's that's where he wanted to play. So... I don't know. I, I think that's you can't really do anything until you know for sure with McLeod. And, and again, back to McLeod, I I I don't want to see him go uh, because I really enjoyed watching him as a quarterback, especially as he's been able to improve every single year. And this was his best year. But I think again, if there is the right time to retire, like I said with Enoch Mwamba, this is this is the right time to retire. If you're gonna if you're gonna call it a career, call it a career on a Grey Cup win. He's gonna be turning 35 next season. He's got a, a young daughter, and he's such a, a family oriented guy. Uh, for me, it would be really hard to uh, to not retire after that because it's the right moment. But if he wants to come back, you take him. You're a little more, I think, optimistic than I am. I I. I think the Argos, you know, look, I have been a very ardent McLeod supporter this year. I even wrote an article, even though I don't like writing articles um, about him. I think the Argos are, I think the Argos turn the page. I don't, I don't think they bring him back. If he wants to come back, I honestly don't. I don't, you know, professional football can be um, pretty tough. Uh, I think they're very happy with how McLeod played. I think um, that he was terrific for the team, but I don't think that they bring him back and get rid of Chad Kelly. I think they probably just make the transition choice. Um, that happens. That's tough. It's a it's a thing that franchises run into. We got the young kid. We got the old guy. Who do we bring back? I I I think McLeod does not play next year, even if he wants to. For the Argos, I think uh, I think they they turn the page to Chad Kelly. If McLeod Bethel Thompson retired, I wouldn't go the Bo Levi Mitchell route. I actually really like the two guys in the room, even though they're young, unproven, inexperienced. You just won the Grey Cup. You can you you've got a little bit of a grace period here. I run with Ben Holmes and Chad Kelly. I like both those guys. I think I think you you don't need to bring in Bo Levi Mitchell. I think you try and do a little bit of what BC did, where uh, you know they're, you're probably going to have to renegotiate a little bit with with Chad. I think you go with these two young guys and and hope they can do it and really try and stack everywhere else and bring back as many of the pieces as you can with the extra money that you have from not having to pay somebody. Uh, four or five hundred thousand. I would have a veteran in the room uh, with with Kelly. 
I, I think if you're going to hand the keys over to him and you're going to have him be your starter, I, I think you want somebody in there who has a fair amount of CFL experience, but we'll see. It's time for the world-famous X's and Argos Awards. <laughs> JB, these were much easier for us this year than last year. Let's let's run through our award winners. Uh, some are serious, some are a little bit more fun, but uh, we'll, we'll go through our list. Uh, our, our player awards first for, for positional grading, etc. Offensive line, I, I thought was pretty easy from a positional group that was very good all season. We went with Darius Bladek. Uh, he was consistently my uh, highest graded lineman most weeks, especially early in the season. And I felt like he was uh, snubbed as, as a, as a, an all-star. Um, but yeah, he, he wins our X's and Argos award for, uh, for most outstanding Argonauts lineman. JB running back was, was an interesting one. We ended up going with AJ Olet for our X's and Argos award. Uh, what did it come down to for you in that regard? Yeah, I, th- I think, you know, that AJ went from somebody who wasn't getting a lot of carries and was not a big part of the offense. And we weren't really sure what he, what value, to be honest, he, he had on the field. Like he didn't, he, you know, he was a strong player, but he, he didn't seem to move the ball uh, well, but he didn't have many reps either. And he had he not developed into the force that he became, both in catching the ball and and being a hammer up the middle, the, the season's over. There is no Harris comeback. You know, the, I don't think they we, – we probably – the Argos probably don't make the playoffs. Uh, he got better every game. Uh, and scored two touchdowns in the in the Great Cup final. I mean, I think he um, he absolutely was the best running back for the Argos uh, all season. You know, Harris had his moments early on, uh, but I thought AJ was the story of the year for a guy who just on effort and desire became uh, an all star. For wide receiver, this is an easy one. We've talked about him a lot already. Curly Gittins Jr. is our X's and Argos Award winner. I don't even know if we need to say anything more, just other than he was he was the number one guy. And yes, Argos, if you were listening, bring him back. Yeah, he was, you know, he, it was a room that, you know, different guys stepped up for different games, but he was the most consistent. Um, he and McLeod had, I think, the best chemistry. For defensive line, we got to tip our cap to Dwayne Hendricks, but we are going to go with Sean Oakman as our award winner. He he was dominant even when he wasn't putting up numbers. When you look at his play, especially in games, look at games where he has like two tackles and no sacks and look at the impact that he had in that game. For, for teams to reduce him to that meant that they were paying so much attention to him that it freed up other guys. And part of the reason, I think, that like Hendricks was was fantastic this year, but he owes a lot of that to the play of the guy beside him in Sean Oakman, who was phenomenal. And so that's why we are giving our award to Sean Oakman. Yes, he had power. I've never given up on that. For linebacker, we went with Wyndham McManus, who we felt was uh, the best defensive player in the league. He changed games. He single-handedly won games. Go back to to the Halifax game, that pick six. Uh, he was outstanding. And so he's our, he's our linebacker award winner. Yeah. It's very unusual to find a free agent 
who becomes such a team leader so quickly, I think it speaks to, you know, his his value as a player. Is guys immediately, you know, looked up to him and respected him as a as a key a key uh, component of the defense. And for DB, uh, there's so many places we could have gone here because the DBs we we thought had a great season. I know the stats don't say that because it's, it's just <laughs> the style they play, but. But that's that's what it is. You know, they did their job. They're playing their they're playing their their four shells. So, um, you know, that you're going to get yards off that, but just not touchdowns. And well, if they, we were, and if they could have cleaned up, if they could have cleaned up that that one bust play that I think five touchdowns were scored on. Yeah, that would really that would have been helped. helpful. That would have helped. We went with Jamal Peters, uh, and it just made sense. He was he was a game changer in his picks, especially in the middle of the season there, where he, where he went on this this ridiculous run where every ball thrown was picked by Peters. That was that you know that that was the logical choice for us. But we could have gone a few different uh, with a few different guys there, but Peters is the right choice. For our special teams award winner, we went with Jack Kassar, who led the league in special teams tackles per game and had four special teams tackles in the Grey Cup. Uh, it's it's a team that had so many contributors there. You have Josh Haggerty, who's outstanding. Daniel Adebaboye, who's outstanding. You had a punter in John Haggerty, who led the league in, in punting. There, there were a lot of ways we could have gone here, but Jack Kassar really stood out from the... I, I remember the, the, the fumble recovery in Ottawa, or sorry, the, the strip yeah, uh, fumble huge. in Ottawa as a special teams play, and just the crushing tackles that he made. He changed the way that returners ran the ball back because there was a, an element of fear. And you could tell in the latter couple of games that uh, the coordinators were were scheming him up. Yeah, um, yeah. Because, you know, he, he, he wasn't making the same level of tackle because they were clearly identifying him as a guy who needed to be who needed to be addressed. Our Rookie of the Year could have gone a lot of different ways, too. There were a lot of uh, new Toronto Argonauts who were contributors, but we decided to go with Gregor McKellar, who played most of the season at left guard as a rookie. And this is two years in a row now where the Argos have been able to do that. Peter Nicastro, a rookie center, playing most of the season last year and also being named an East All-Star. And Gregor McKellar doing a fantastic job at left guard. He had the benefit of you know experience next to him in, in Philip Blake and that's certainly helpful. But yeah, I thought he was outstanding. I, I mean, I give him the nod simply because of the 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 the, the, the complexity of his position, you know, that if, if you're looking at guys who are coming on and playing, whether it be at running back or wide receiver, like offensive line is an incredibly hard position as a rookie to 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 take on. And our offensive and defensive MVPs. For offensive MVP, this is an easy one. McLeod Bethel-Thompson, uh, you know, he's the team nominee. He's the East All-Star for the second year in a row as the, as the quarterback and was the best player uh, on this football team most weeks. He won games for them and, uh, you know, definitely um, deserves the uh, uh, Most Outstanding Player Award for us. So he's our X's and Argos uh, MVP. Yeah, I mean... It was it was an unusual path for me, as somebody who had, you know, had some questions about him in the past, and you know, we spent a lot of this year defending him. He was great, you know. He had he had off, you know, sections, but 
also, you know, like there were a lot of reasons for that. You know, there were offensive line breakdowns and you had receivers that couldn't get off coverage. And, you know, but when he was dialed in, he he was fantastic. And, he, you know, he, he came out and he played terrific in absolute must-have games against Saskatchewan, against Montreal, against Montreal again in the playoffs. You know, he was... Uh, he was tremendous. You know, I know he, he was injured and didn't get to finish the Grey Cup, but, the you know, that Grey Cup is McLeod Bethel-Thompson's. The, this team does not win a Grey Cup without him. No question. And defensive MVP, we went with Enoch Mwamba. Uh, he was, he was uh, astonishingly good this season and even better in the playoffs and in that Grey Cup game. Uh, he was just unstoppable. He, he was a force and a, a team leader out there as well. So, you know, with, with like you said earlier, when Wyndham McManus went down again in the East Final, it would have been so easy for the defense just to go flat at that point, to lose a player like that, to not to have the defense just come out flat in the Grey Cup because there's that loss of confidence. And there was no way Enoch Muamba was going to let that happen. And a player of that caliber, a leader of that caliber, definitely deserves the award. And, you know, we, we, we talk about how good the Argos have been at drafting, and they definitely have been. But also, we should talk about how really, really good they have been at signing free agents. Mm-hmm. If you, you talk about the impact um, that they've had, you know, like, you know, Mwamba and, and, and Beattie and McManus and Ja'Gar Davis and, you know, Banks, I mean... They've absolutely crushed the free agent signing. Like they have, do they have a miss that was a, a big free agent signing? I mean, everybody they've brought in, they have absolutely read correctly, felt the connection that they would have on the team, um, and and has been excellent. I I don't, for me, in the last three years, I I don't think they have a free agent miss. I think you could probably go with Nick Arbuckle, but even that, like he was playing okay for the Argos. I know he hasn't looked good in other places. He's been up and down, but he actually was playing all right. He wasn't quite a free agent too. That was a little more. It was different. It was different. And they, they needed someone. Our most valuable coach uh, is a tough one because we saw such a great job done uh, from the coaching staff this year from Ryan Dinwiddie all the way down as a first year uh, coach in this position to deliver what he delivered uh, deserves recognition. And so Coach Mace, as the defensive coordinator, was our coach of the year. Yeah, and, you know, it it could have been Coach Bell. I thought he was great to have him back on the staff. And he obviously had that secondary flying around. And, you know, Coach Sweet, you know, pieced that thing together until he had an overload of players at the end. (laughs) But, you know kept that thing going so yeah that I mean that was a tough one but you know coach Mace had some really really gorgeous defensive game plans you know he deserves it I think um it's you know he he will be an excellent head coach our most valuable operations staff member goes and this this could have gone a lot of different ways you talked about like how well they've done in the draft how well they've done in free agency obviously we've got we've got to you know tip our our cap to the entire operations staff you know Magri and, and russell and the pinball uh jim barker like they th- these guys have, have been amazing 
But we are we're 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 gonna go we're we're gonna go with John Magri, who we thought is the most uh, underappreciated member of that team. Uh, John is fantastic. He does so much work for the team, and uh, you know, as as video director, um, there couldn't be a more passionate member of this uh, Toronto Argonauts club. Uh, and I think we we got to see it. This was this was one of my favorite moments of the season uh, in the press box. Uh, there's there's no cheering. You don't you don't uh, root for for either team. You are there professionally to do your job. It's a professional environment. Uh, in in the East final, they had to move John Magri out of his normal position in which he had a room to himself as video coordinator. Uh, but they just didn't have enough space to be able to accommodate uh, both French and English language broadcasts from the the Alouettes crew. And so uh, John got moved into the press box where he's doing his his uh, um, video job. And John is a very passionate individual. And after every big Argos play, he would scream out. And it was uh, it was it was awesome to see. I'm not sure everybody, uh, you know, covering uh, the Argos and Alouettes that day felt as I did, but I loved it. You could just see his passion. And that's his, you know, he's not pressed. That's he's supposed to do that. He's part of the team. And so, yeah, he should cheer them on. But yeah, he was he was just, you know, blasting the vocals every time there was uh, a, a great Argos play. And there were a number of them on that day. So that was one of my favorite moments. You just saw the passion, how much he cared about this organization. And he does his job extremely well. Uh, and, uh, you know, he uh, he was always uh, always the, the first person I'd say hello to at practice. Uh, you know, great to see him every time I was there. So, you know, he's uh, definitely a deserving uh, Exes and Argos award winner. And you, you could throw in, you know, for throwing in all the staff, too and you know we talk about you know Adam and the job that he does on the PA uh, who is fantastic and and Herbie who came in to do it uh, for that one game and Herbie who serves as the team chaplain he's there every day at practice getting the guys fired up too um, there's so many great guys around the organization Mike Hogan and Chris Belenovich there's 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 everybody that works for this team has been an absolute pleasure to work with and so you know choosing John it's the right choice but you could have gone so many different directions when you're just sort of looking overall at this Toronto Argonaut staff because there's 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 no wrong move. JB, we've got a road trip award to give out. This is our first because it's the first year where we have traveled uh, to to all the different destinations. And I thought before we handed out this award, uh, maybe a couple of quick stories are in order because you know we getting to go to you know Calgary and, and Saskatchewan and and BC and Halifax. Um, it was it was interesting for us. Uh, what was what was your favorite road story from this season? Well, I certainly had more luck on the road than you did um, in terms of games. Um, yeah, when I was in Halifax, it was a Rough Rider crowd, and we knew that going in. And, you know, at Argos practice, they were they were loose and energetic. Um, you know, they had somebody out taking a lot of photos because it was a kind of a big event, and I enjoyed watching the offensive line uh, trying to get the photographer to take more pictures of them and doing a lot of poses because they don't often get to be in those kinds of photos. Um, so like it was a really good energy heading into the game and to, to be there and to watch McManus, you know, go up and down the sideline and basically like take the team by the throat and not allow them to give up um, in that fourth quarter against Saskatchewan to not just give in to like, oh, here we go again. You know, we weren't very good. We, you know, we lost to Winnipeg. We lost to BC. 
Um, he just wouldn't allow it. And then he made the, the, the game winning pick. Um, that was an amazing moment to, to see that player come through and, um, and the press conference after, which was much crowded, much more crowded than ones we, we, we went to sometimes at BMO. And there was something about that press conference that, that really stayed with me. It was, it was McLeod and Mwamba, uh, and coach, first but McLeod and Mwamba and they had this like energy about them there was just such joy at having won that game like just this feeling that they were on a team that had aspirations of being more and that this game proved to themselves that they could be more um I I was just taken with it it was when I knew they had a real shot uh at it and uh their their excitement at how well they played um, was was really um, infectious. You know, really did change how I how I viewed the team. Um, so I really I really remember that uh, very clearly. My road trip story is, is very different, and it it happened in Calgary, uh, which I I didn't I hadn't been to McMahon Stadium as press before. And so I didn't fully understand where it was I was supposed to pick up my press pass. It was described <laughs> to me as being around the west side of the stadium. And so I, I arrived at McMahon, I walked around the, to the west side of the stadium, and nothing really stood out to me as a place where I would get my press pass. And there was a door there. And so I decided I'll just knock on this door and see if somebody answers it. And I can ask some you know further directions or questions. And so I knocked, waited for a few seconds, and then the doors opened by Bo Levi Mitchell. And I just I, like hi hi Bo, um, very very a very CFL moment. Yeah, like uh, do you have my press pass? <laughs> so uh, you know he he was very kind. He said I I don't think I'm allowed to let you in here. Uh, you know try walking a little further around the stadium. And so I just thought that yeah it was such a such a funny CFL moment to just knock on a random door in the back of the stadium and who opens it but one of the most recognizable faces in the CFL and uh, one of the uh, star quarterbacks of the the last decade. So that was that was my favorite road story and there were so many. You know we had such a good time out on the on the road this year. So um, getting to do that was was really cool. And leading up to our, our road trip award, this is for the best road trip hosts. And of course, nobody could be as good as the, the crew at BMO in, uh, in Chris Belenovich and company. But in terms of uh, second best, the best road trip hosts, I'm going to give it to the BC Lions. Um, Matt Baker, uh, manager of communications out there, did such a great job just making me feel welcome, answering any questions I had, uh, making sure that, that I was completely taken care of. Um, I had a great time out there despite the result with the Argos losing by 106. Um, it was it was a wonderful trip and in large part to what the BC Lions staff was able to put together for me. So they're the X's and Argos award winner for, for, for road trip. Did you see a win on a road trip or did they just get the doors blown off them every time? I saw the win. Well, in terms of like a real road trip, like uh, Saskatchewan, I was there for the the game where they beat the the COVID uh, laden. Oh yeah, no, that's uh, true. That's a Rough win. Riders. That's a win. It, it was still a win. It was Jake Dolagala at quarterback for the Rough Riders, but it was still still a late fourth quarter victory. So that was more successful certainly than the Calgary and BC trips. Uh, that's for sure. <laughs> 
for uh, this is one that uh, I, I thought we needed. This is the, the best dancer award, and I'm gonna I'm gonna quantify this by saying this is a far more important award than you realize. I loved at Argo's practice how much dancing there was on this team. I've talked about this before uh, in in articles on on podcasts. This is a very loose team. They knew how to bring it and focus when they had to turn it on. And they could unwind and have fun as well. And they had fun together. And I think that's a lot goes into that. And I give Coach Dinwiddie a lot of credit for this, for letting the guys enjoy themselves and sort of get loose, knowing that they would respond when he called on them to. And there's so much dancing at Argo's practice. It's from station to station. It's between drills. It's on their way to stretching. It's during stretching. This is a team that loves dancing. This could have gone to a lot of different players. I sort of did an informal uh, poll of uh, players and some staff and uh, based on my own observations as well. Uh, we felt like there was a very deserving runner-up in Jamal Peters. Uh, he Jamal Peters is is a pretty entertaining a pretty entertaining dancer. There's a lot of Twitter footage of him dancing even during Grey Cup week when he did uh, what he called jigging. I think he said this is what we call that back home, uh, which was a dance where he looked like his leg was broken and sort of dragged along behind him a little bit. I I'm not I, I don't know enough to be able to explain that any better uh, but our award winner goes to uh, Demonte Coxie uh, who was just next level this this is a that man is a serious dancer and as much fun as it is watching guys like Jagger Davis and and Jamal Peters nobody dances like Demonte Coxie so he is our X's and Argos best dancer award winner the Fan Friendly Award is one of my favorites because there are so many Argos who are fan friendly, who are excited to wait to talk to fans, to greet fans, to sign autographs. This team is, is fantastic with that. The CFL in general is fantastic with that. There was one guy I felt continued to go uh, above and beyond, especially at practices, uh, and that was Jagera Davis. Uh, he was, he was. I, I noticed it especially with kids, uh, with with my kids, with other kids. He would always come up, give them fist bumps as as they got off the bus on the way into the practice facility, um, and you know always have time for for a wave or a conversation. And so this is the probably the toughest award to hand out because it's a team full of guys that are great at it. But Jagera Davis is going to be our fan friendly award winner. JB, that is just about going to do it for us on this wrap-up episode of the X's and Argos podcast. We've got some thank yous as well. We want to thank everybody from the Toronto Argonauts uh, for, for making this year as fantastic as it was for us. And we also want to thank you, the listener. Uh, you, you guys have been amazing uh, since we started this thing, and our listenership doubled this season uh, from last and, and continues to grow as it, as it did throughout the playoffs. And we have you to thank for that. So thank you so much for your engagement, your involvement, uh, your questions, uh, and uh, of course, for, for listening uh, and supporting our, our sponsors, Funny Bone Broth. Uh, you've been absolutely fantastic from day one, and, and it continues to get better and better and better. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Fight the ball.